everybody. This is Julie Barola Mills. And this is Joe Lopez. And this is Rock On with Joe and Julie. How are you doing, Joe? Oh, pretty good. You know, uh, all things considered. Yeah, no doubt. We've had uh, some great weather here in uh, Phoenix for the last couple of days, some wind coming in and everything. And um, it's really kind of interesting, uh, some of the things that have happened in rock. Um, I just uh, I just came back from uh, one of my uh, concerts that I went to to see JoLynn Turner, as a matter of fact. Oh, how'd that go? Well, actually, it was it was really, really a lot of fun. We um, I just published a uh, review of the show, actually cool, one cool. of the last shows I did. Interesting enough, Joe, what I did, I remember I told you in the last podcast I was going to go to the first two shows in uh, New York at the, right, at the right. Iridium. Well, then all of a sudden, the fan in me, I don't know what it was, and I... <laughs> There was something that happened on the uh, before the first show. Well, right. You, I know you had you you had told me how you had missed a good portion of one of the shows. Oh. So I, it, that's the excuse you needed, I think. Well, it was the, <laughs> it was it was devastating to to uh, uh, to me, and and actually interesting enough, I had spoken to Joel and Turner about it, and he kind of gave me a little grief about it. It was interesting. He goes. You know, you missed the first part of my show, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. But uh, I made up for it in a big way. I uh, went to uh, his last show in Sellersville, uh, Pennsylvania. I uh, took a red eye over there, and I wrote all of my experience on Rainbow Fan Clan Legacy. And uh, you can find that if, you, if you're interested, either uh, there's a link on JoLynn Turner's official Facebook page, or if you want to, RainbowFanClanLegacy.com, uh, or it's actually rain, the RainbowFanClan.com. But interesting enough, I woke up to some really terrible news this morning, Joe. Yeah, as I did too. I saw it on the news uh, just about an hour ago. And if you want, tell tell our re, you know, or tell our listeners what what you heard. Well, I heard that uh, after uh, playing a concert. Uh, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, Audio Slave, has passed away at age yeah. 52. And, you know, you're just, wow, 52, that's just way too young. Absolutely, and especially after a concert. And, you know, obvi- obviously the reports were done by, uh, you know, CNN, and, you know, you had uh, something by ABC News and so on and so forth. And, then, you know, obviously in this culture of quote-unquote fake news, so to speak, you know, we don't know what to expect or what to believe. And so when uh, further reports started to come out and, uh, you know, obviously his his wife was shocked, uh, you know, friends and colleagues and everything. Um, but it's interesting because you, I mean, 52 years old and after just a few hours after a performance he had on in Michigan and several videos if you go on Facebook or you go online, there's several videos of fan footage um, on there. But, you know, it was interesting before we had this um, uh, went on air. You had mentioned to me when you were doing your uh, magazine Loud that you had had some oh, well, yeah. contact or, or, or some, some, uh, some contact with the, the band Soundgarden or, or some of the bands that he was associated with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was one thing, you know, with our editorial that we had with Loud. Uh, we were always, you know looking for, you know, the next, you know, hard-edged, you know, uh, scene, so to speak. Um, We were a big uh, supporter of, you know, the sub-pop label back uh, in Washington, you know, in the early days, you know, and when uh, we put Soundgarden on the cover, you know, uh, back in the day, as well as, um, you know, doing interviews for Temple of the Dog, and 
you know, and hanging out. You know, I remember hanging out with Mother Love Bone, which was a precursor to uh, Pearl Jam. Um, uh, you know, that that's when I, uh, you know, kind of remember the whole scene, you know, coming in. But, yeah, I mean, we used to cover all of that stuff. Yeah, and so, and it was interesting. Um, I actually got a piece from a, um, uh, there was a, a very nice write-up by a friend of mine today um, on his Facebook page. His, his name is Larry Torrain, and he is a, um, he has a uh, Vaughn Artist uh, LTD. He has a, 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 up in Portland, Oregon, that he promotes uh, ma- major, major bands. Or, or bands, actually, um, um, all over the, uh, you know, the United States and stuff. And uh, he had said some very, very nice words about Mr. Cornell, and I'd like to read this. He said, Chris Cornell, sigh, and he sighed. What a gem of a soul he was as both a singer and a person. I spent three of the warmest nights of my life with him and the entire cast of the movie Singles in 1992 at the Oregon coast while they were camped out on a weekend-long break. I have killer stories of him and Lane, of both him and Lane, who were also there hanging around with other ANC and Soundgarden band members. I recall Chris not liking actor Matt Dillon a whole lot, who was just keeping to himself and not joining in the campfires. This was several of uh, this was one of several movie sets filmed in my neck of the woods that year. Rip, or uh, rest in peace. My apologies. One of the greatest rock frontmen of all time. And thank you again, Larry, for um, being able to allow me to be able to read that on air. Um, but yeah, I mean, 52 years old. I mean, I am in my 50s i i just turned 51 in uh at the end of april and joe i know no you're comment yeah well you know no, I'm, and, uh, yeah. I'm over 52 so yeah so yeah i mean everything brings it home and um interesting enough i was um you know listening to a song today that um uh, an, another gentleman had written named mark hudson um who was actually interesting started out in the band the hudson brothers Back in the in the seventies, <laughs> yeah, I remember them. Yes, but I'm old enough to remember them. He wrote a song with Aerosmith, actually, right. with uh, called a... called "Living on the Edge." Right. And it just when I listened to that song today, and I, it was just after I heard Chris died, I was just like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, our topic today for um, this podcast and and uh, you know changing the subject is is the Phoenix concert calendar. Right, and I, you know, and I wouldn't necessarily just keep it to Phoenix because I know there's a lot of our listeners that aren't here in the Phoenix area because most of these concerts, you know, are part of the tour, um, you know, of each of these bands. Like, for example, you know, Iron Maiden, they're touring the United States. They'll be here on the 23rd of June. And, uh, you know, there's just so many concerts. I was uh, discussing with John. I said, my gosh, I go, how much money would it take to hit every concert that you want to go to this year? I mean, there's just so much going on. I mean... Queen and Wilson, yes. I mean, just I mean, and that. And right now, I'm just speaking about the classic rock. I mean, you know, you have. Uh, well, I saw that. I saw here that's called uh, Carl Palmer's EP, uh, ELP Legacy. I mean, I mean, I love drumming and Carl. You Palmer. love drumming. He's oh, a, so I'm there. The drum God, yes. So I'm absolutely there. And you know, it's interesting too. You just brought up John. John, can you please introduce him for our listeners? Oh, I'm sorry. John. John is our. Uh, publisher, editor, and uh, 
you know, I just, we usually powwow a bit before the show. Yeah, for, for Modern Times Magazine. Modern Times so magazine. We, we just wanted to give him a shout out as well. Of course, and so you were mentioning, I mean, we got, uh, you mentioned some of the classic artists. We have, and then, of course, we have Daughtry, and we have Nickelback. Um, you know, we have, um, oh, my gosh, and then they have, oh, Roger Waters, <laughs> Pink Floyd. Yeah, you know, I, and, <laughs> and he's going to be doing music from Pink Floyd, you know, at, and that's going to be good, you know, to see at the arena. They're having it at Gila, uh, Gila River Arena, and I think that's going to be a really good show and you know something to catch because Roger Waters has always put on kind of a spectacle you know uh, with effects and so forth mm -hmm. you know and with the music of Pink Floyd I think that really you know suits uh, Th that particular you know, that that particular <laughs> yeah. audience now there was something we were talking about off air and and I want to bring this up I see that uh, Queen and Adam Lambert is uh, are coming to town on Friday June 23rd correct and of course we were talking off air and you were mentioning some um, conversation. Did you have a, an interview with with Adam? Or I had an interview uh, with Adam Lambert. Uh, I'd say about a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, when he was doing some solo dates, and at that point he had already started touring uh, with Queen in the uh, in Eastern Europe. Okay. And you know I was very interested in finding out you know how that came about and you know how I felt you know about filling in some you know awesome, I mean, big shoes, you know, filling in for Freddie Mercury. Sure. You know, and he was, you know, very, uh, he was, you know, very uh, candid and he was, you know, very humbled by the fact that he had befriended, you know, the guys in, in Queen, uh, Roger and Brian May. Uh, and he said he was more than honored, you know, to be able to give him the chance, you know, he just kind of wanted to make sure the songs were done the way that Freddie would want them to be done. Sure. Sure, and um, I know there was something. I, I know there was something else that we had uh, discussed. And uh, oh, I see Boston here, and uh, or, I don't. I don't mean to slam anything on the concert calendar, but I'll never go to see them again. Really? Really? It's just they. It just looks like a bunch of boring hired hands out there, wow. and the singer is just like so devoid of any type of personality. And I've paid to see them twice, and. Ever since they lost uh, Brad, Brad Dell, and you know, and for that, you know, for that matter, Fran Cosmo was a great singer that they had too. That uh, that was also, you know, with them as well. When the, when they lost those two, they lost the plot. And if you listen to their latest record, you'll know that they lost the plot. And I hate to say that because hand on heart, I am a Boston fan, but you know, they have just playing lost the plot. Well, you know, it's interesting <laughs> that, um, you know, you mentioned Brad Delp because Brad Delp in, himself, he was 55 years old. Um, and when he felt that he was losing his voice, so to speak, um, uh, his singing voice, he killed himself, um, you know, uh, a few years back. And then we see something like Chris Cornell and, and hopefully there was not um, anything that was... Um, I don't know. I just I'm still in shock about well, with Chris, but you know, then I I see somebody like uh, um, Brad Delp who actually does take his life, and he was just such a great great singer for that band. And whatever they, whatever happened around that um, that relationship between him and Tom Schultz, um, you know, we will never really know. It's just a he said she said kind of thing. Right, and you know, and a lot of things you got to remember too is depression is. A very very powerful thing, and I heard there were you know possibly some types of uh, 
alleged, you know, depression, um, you know, when it came to the Brad Delp situation. But I'll tell you, I got to meet Brad Delp when, after he had left Boston, he had a band called RTZ. Oh, okay. And they played a large concert here. Um, it was at uh, Compton Terrace, you know, playing to about 13,000 people. I forgot who they were opening for, but I had a interview with him and the most down-to-earth, really? genuine, wow. regular guy. I mean, he made you laugh and, you know, and, and stuff. And you just remember those, you know, great things about his personality and how humble he was and, you know, just no rock star attitude and just joking, you know, like, um, you know, Barry Goudreau was also in the band who was in the original Boston as well. Right. And I said, so I said, what happened when you left uh, Boston? And he, tell, he he says, left Boston. And then they all start laughing because t- he got fired. Oh, oh so everybody oh, starts okay, laughing. Okay, oh, boy, okay. you got the story wrong. You know, and we were, we just had a good, you know, a good time, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's really tragic when things of this nature happen. Well, the, the other one, of course, here is Lindsey Buckingham and Christine McVie are, are um, actually uh, going to be touring together oh. at Comerica. And that ought to be an, an incredible I, look. I know... Buckingham Nicks was amazing back in the day, but Christy McVie, she part of part of Fleetwood Mac and with Lindsey Buckingham. I've seen Lindsey Buckingham by himself. Remember when that uh, club was still open called uh, Vinnie's or uh, what was it? Uh, Vinnie's Underworld. Yeah, I believe it was. It was Vinnie's or well, I forgot what that one over there on Twenty Street in Camelback or Twenty Street that. in Highland. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it was. Um... And that was a plush place, and then they turned it into a rock venue in the middle of, of the rich Biltmore district. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing on and, there. And I remember having an incident where Mr. Buckingham was being, um, you know, he was giving autographs and stuff. And for some reason, he really, he, he, it was very nice to me. I had him sign um, actually a promo copy that I was given from a place at, you know, Tower Records where I worked. I was, sometimes I got some of those, those really, really nice only CD only type of tracks mm-hmm. where it had yeah. um you know Holiday Road it had um Go Insane <laughs> yes. it had you know yeah, some they would of it they... a compilation that was for press only a press only press only or in store play exactly yeah, I know exactly and what you're I when about. he mm-hmm. saw it he looked at it and he kind of looked at me smiled and he signed it and everything because he was having a little bit of a bad time with somebody in the venue there but he was very sweet with me, and I really, really appreciate it. And that's a, kind of the same way I got with, with people that I've met, even when I was when I was back in uh, Philadelphia and, and New York. Jolyn Turner was just a one uh, um, as far as uh, just being so cool. And, and Julie, I got to give you, I got to give you the quick kudo on, on air here. In when you sent me that picture of you and Jolyn Turner holding up Loud magazine. Oh my gosh! It's yes. twenty eight. I know we're aging myself. 28, 28? 29. 29 years ago when you did the feature with, with him and he's there holding it. And we're, um, I mean, it just makes you think, wow, how time just Time just by. flew by. Flew by. Time flies by. Um, it, interesting enough, if, if anybody didn't, if, if they, you did listen to the podcast, you knew that mm. I'm, of course, I'm a huge Jolyn Turner fan, have been for a number, number of years. But what happened was, is Joe... Um, as I got to know him, he gave me um, the, the second interview that I ever did. The first interview I ever did with um, Loud Magazine with, was with a band called Prophet um, out of New, uh, New Jersey. Well, then, of course, my second guy that I did um, an interview with was um, uh, Jolyn Turner. 
And at that time, he had, they had just released the um, Inve J. Malmsteen's uh, Odyssey album. And that album obviously ended up being an absolute, um, you know, I, it was a gem. It was a gem. And you, you had described what it did for Inve Malmsteen because at that time he had already released two albums with, um, you know, Rising Force and uh, Marching Out. Right. Um, and there was like a trilogy of albums that he had done. And he was considered a cult hero. Right. And, but Joe Lynn Turner was hired by label executives, Jim Lewis over there. And uh, he was hired by a label executive back in 1987 to be able to um, put together, you know, same with this guy, uh, put something together and see what kind of um, album that they can put out. And uh, it ended up when it was released uh, back in April of 1988. Um, it, uh, Heaven Tonight was the single um, that had been filmed in Tennessee. Um, there was a great, uh, Jim Yurick uh, had filmed this. And it was like a concert-style video and everything, mm -hmm. you know. And they just, you know, everybody, you know, uh, Inve swinging the guitar and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Well, they'd done this uh, video, um, Heaven Tonight, and so it, and it was going up the charts. So there was absolutely some interest in it. Um, the album itself was just phenomenal. You're talking, when you put this guy's talents together, um, Inve's, and you put this singer who was really still at the... T to me, he's still at the top of the game because obviously I've listened to albums and that he's put out when he put the sessions out this recently that the Cleopatra Records did for him. But when he did Edge of Tomorrow was just phenomenal. Right. And the voice that just... The man with the golden voice, as we, as we now call him. But he puts out this album, and of course you got this 22-year-old cub reporter... One of your, your your new contributors for your magazine, and you just say, "Hey, Julie, you know, I got a, you know, I got an interview <laughs> with Jolyn Turner," and I'm just like, "Oh my!" And you know, I thought yes, basically sir. the sky had fallen, and uh, did an interview with him. Um, it ended up turning out to be an hour and twenty three minutes at the time. That was considered a major luxury. Nowadays, artists can only really give ten or fifteen minutes. Um, but it was a different time in the. It was in, a different time, and if you had a really good connect with the artist on, on the you know on you know on the interview, then you know you generally could get more time. But you know a lot of times the artist, you know, has a schedule, which means if oh, they yeah. talk if they talk an extra hour to you, that means every single person from the I know is I know. an hour behind. I know. So it, it's really you know which is funny, and you know, um, well, which it, leads me to tell you that. Uh, Ingram Malmsteen will be coming to Phoenix. Oh, yeah. So I am okay. interested in seeing if they still play Jolyn's background vocals on Heaven Tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah I know. I, I heard. If I'm not mistaken, they still use that. Exactly. So, you know, Jolyn Turner is owed some serious money as far as I'm concerned. But, I'll play um, back. but yeah. On, and when is when is Ingram coming in by chance? Oh, Ooh. gosh. I'm, you know, that is one date that I did not. That did, did not. I'm sorry, uh, I did not, did not write yet. that down. But okay, anyways, sorry, folks. Miss, but Miss, he is on tour in the U.S. and you know, I'm, you guys can look that up. But you know, it, it's funny because we even have you know, I mean, uh, you know, we even have Slayer coming to Comerica Theater on August 20th. We have Pat Benatar August 29th at Comerica. Um, the list goes on. Toto, my gosh, August 29th. There's a band you know that just keeps getting better and better. Um, gotten their latest two releases and it's just you know, oh, yeah. phenomenal. And I want to see them. There was, um, it was interesting because uh, Toto, the, my, one of my favorite songs is the song Africa. 
And it was, um, I don't know about you, but man, I I would love, I've never seen them. That's, that's the exactly. funny part. I've never seen them. I've never seen them. You know, you How hear their hits. That? Yeah, you hear their hits, and then you're like, all of a sudden you go, but I have not seen them. And some some have to, you know, really realize, <laughs> look, we, you know, we could have a, a major discussion here about the ticket prices and, you know, going to these shows. I mean, we could basically do one podcast in itself as far as how much some of these tickets are. And, I mean, if I had the money, you know, and, and you know, you make a dec- I, I make a decent living myself um, uh, being self-employed, but the fact of the matter is is that, you know, you know, $19 here, $72 here, $150 here. And that doesn't even count the VIP packages right. that people exactly. have. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and what do we have? It looks um, like John brought in- Inbe, it. Yeah. Um, I was just informed that Ingve Malmsteen will be here on June 5th at the Marquee Theater. Ooh, which is which is coming up. Which is it, just within the, the corner. Com- coming yeah. up corner. Yes. And, and thank you again for that. But, um, and then we also have, um, let me see if we, is there anybody else that I'd like to be able to kind of, oh. Alice Cooper. Alice with Deep Purple. Alice Cooper. Hot on the heels of the new record. Absolutely. And actually isn't uh, with Alice, he is, he has some members of Deep Purple participate in his new record. Yeah. On his new record, um, I believe Roger Glover and, is it Don Airy as well? I think it could be. Could be. The participating on one of his records, but also um, there's a second mini um, mini CD that is coming along with the new record, which is songs um, recorded with the original band. Yeah. Which is kind of cool because it makes you think, especially being here in Phoenix, and I don't make, mean to make this Phoenix-oriented, but being that, you know, um, that this is Alice's home, yeah, you begin to wonder if those original members might make a showing here in town Oh, yeah. To do some of the old classics, right. you know, that they made famous. Right. You know, and um, that would just be a, a real treat, you know, if that was to happen here uh, when they played. Right. And I also, town. and I always have to mention this, and I know maybe we mentioned it during the, the winter time and stuff, but Alice, Alice really has done a lot for this area, uh, the Phoenix metropolitan area, and his uh, Solid Rock Foundation that he has, um, you know, in giving to the kids. And so he does this Christmas pudding thing in, in December. Um, he does golf tournaments because he, he loves golf. He's done commercials, um, some really fun commercials, uh, you know, for various um, agencies uh, around the valley. And it's just, it's a nice way of, and this is a lot that a lot of people don't know is these rockers, um, you know, whether they're classic or some of the, even the newer ones, the way they give back to their fans, not only that, but they give, they give to their charities. And sometimes they're known, uh, such as an Alice, or there's artists, for example, that show up to Alice's uh, Christmas pudding, for example, where none of them take any pay whatsoever, and they're doing it on behalf of the charity. And so it's wonderful to see that. And it's also sometimes, for me, it's different then when you get bands, and I know right now, um, for example, Deep Purple, Alice Cooper, and uh, you know, and Edgar Winter, who are, are touring together, uh, they just started their tour in Greece. Um, there's YouTube videos coming out on some of the songs, you know, especially for Purple and everything. But what really makes me mad sometimes is these corporate um, style um, uh, conglomerates like Live Nation. And some of the other, and people have had arguments about this, whether it's Ticketmaster or Live Nation. And I really don't want to bash them because obviously we're trying to 
um, also promote the artist. But I have a real concern about putting out VIP tickets for $400 just to meet your favorite guy, and it becomes some kind of really vanilla, you know, uh, meet and greet where it's all of a sudden it's, uh, uh, I mean, I can see $50, okay? That's what Joel and Turner charged when he was, um, when he was back in, uh, uh, in uh, the, the East Coast and stuff, okay? That's reasonable, but it's, but for 400 really? I mean, they, they say, uh, you know, a laminate and this and this and that, and, and then you can have one picture signed and, and you can only talk to this artist and you can't talk to that artist. And I'm going, I understand that there, there, there's a reason why maybe the ticket prices are like they are, but to be able to sit in front with your favorite band and maybe have half of those seats empty because they couldn't afford that 250 to 400 ticket price, it's really a disservice to the band itself, I, I really feel. You know, because the fact of the matter is, is, is artists, and I hate to say this, they feed off the energy of these things, um, and of these bands. And, I mean, in Europe, for example, I'll see where, uh, you know, artists that I like are subjected to a 30 or 40 yard or, or kilometer, whatever, whatever the, you know, the, the, the mass system is over there, that they're so far away from the artist, if they wish they would think about the fact that they're, you know, feeding off the energy off these fans. And so if it, if there are like maybe 40, 50,000 people, like at maybe the Swedish rock festival or Vakken, you know, that you're not going to have that much of a, of a, a blowback, so to speak, and saying, you know, where the audience, but if you have, if you're in a, in a smaller venue or, uh, you know, a concert hall and thing, if you're like 30, 40 feet back or 10, 15 feet back, the artist is almost like, he's like perform, performing to nobody. Hmm. I, and, and it's just, it really, really kind of, you can kind of tell how the artist is going to really perform, um, so to speak. It's, uh, it's almost like you, you were talking about that connect you know, right. you have that connection with the audience and stuff. So, you know, I don't mean to really, again, I don't mean to bash Live Nation because at some point we're probably going to ask you guys, you know, so to be able to be able to have access to some of these artists when we're doing our podcast. But at the same time, I mean, there has to be some type of reasonableness for, you know, uh, uh, for anybody, whether it's a journalist, somebody in the press or, or an absolute uh, or a fan. But you know what? The fact of the matter is, is I, I will pay the prices. I will go and do it sometimes. Um, I, I paid a, uh, a, a meet and greet and, and a, uh, just to see when I went to go see Jolyn Turner play with uh, Alice Cooper at the, at the uh, uh, Christmas pudding a couple uh, back in 2014. And, but I knew it was for a charity. When, when right, you're doing when it's it, for a charity, then it's a right. yeah, different ball of wax. It, it but, is. You know, and, and, and it, is, it is unfortunate, and I, I totally get, you know, where you're coming from, but the reason that these things are taking place isn't so much because of the promoter, because each one of these bands is sanctioning it. Okay. it okay. And the reason that they're sanctioning it is because, say, for example, uh, groups like the Scorpions, who were selling millions of records. Sure. Now everybody's streaming and stealing the music. Yeah. So they're needing to make some kind of profit. You know, and, you know, I can take my son, you know, who, who DJs. He just released an EP. It's on Spotify. It's on, you know, it, it's on uh, iTunes and stuff. They don't, he's not, 
he hasn't even begun to get paid from it. And he had over 50,000 listens on, on one of his tracks wow. on Spotify. Wow. And I said, well, I said, where are you going to, you know, where does the money come from? And my, my son's like, well, it's to, it's almost like the recording now promotes the gig. So you have to take yeah. your, it's almost like you're living off the gig and what you're making from the, from the concert. So these VIP things, that's where they're making pure profit. It's, it's changed the whole game because it used to be the other way around. It used to be sometimes like a, a band like Kiss with their big stage show. Sure. They would, they weren't looking at making money on the tour. They were looking at making the money back from album sales. Sure. And merchandising. Sure. Now it's like. Everybody is reliant on merchandise and the show money. Yeah. And, the, and it sucks because you're like, what makes people think they can get music for free? That's where I start losing my mind because, you know, pay for a streaming service, but don't, you know, don't go to YouTube to hear your, the latest album and stuff because... You know, the artist deserves to be paid. Well, exactly. And I, like, for example, I'll go and, and buy things. Now, granted, I mentioned in last in my last podcast that I had a bunch of bootlegs. And it's just, um, but I paid for those as well. It wasn't like I got those for free. I mean, I ended up attending the concerts. I, I attended the concerts, but at the same time, um, in attending them, I, you know, I asked my friends in Japan, for example, and stuff, because I had missed them when I was photographing, um, you know, I tend to, uh, that's why I went and as a fan rather than right. just photographing. And, and with bootlegs, you know? if you're a fan, you know, you're, you've bought everything that's been officially released anyways. Sure. Right, exactly. And then, and then you get, you know, some bootleg recordings, et cetera, for the love of the band, you know, and, but you, you've already spent <laughs> all the money that you possibly can on the official stuff. Sure. Because I know, you know, with all the bands that I collect, you know, it's that way. Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's kind of well. The no, and and you know what? The last one of the last people. We're gonna change the subject back in into our concert, <laughs> the concert yeah. thing. And and no, it's a great discussion. No, I know but that could be a total podcast in itself. It, it can be. Um, I really want to mention um one of the people that I think the world of also too, um, and that is um Joe Bonamassa. Oh, um, yes, he's coming. Right. It isn't until October 28th mm -hmm. um, where he's going to be playing um, at the, um, I believe, at the Comerica the, the Theater. Comerica Theater. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, this guy, it was interesting because he came a few years ago, and it was the first time I got to see him. And a lot of people are really into what's popular. But Joe Bonamassa, he just turned, he just turned 40 on uh, May 8th. And, you know, so he, um, and if you belong to his uh, uh, email, um, his, his email subscription, what he does is he sends all of these, um, you know, his, he, he'll send music, he'll send some downloads, he'll send, I mean, this guy has put out album after album after album after album. Now, he started in a band, he's, he, when he met B.B. Keen, eight years old, this guy was eight years old. He meets one of his idols and everything, and then he, uh, I remember he was also performing with uh, Danny Gadden mm -hmm. back in the day and stuff. I know he has passed, um, but um, he got a start. He was um, in this band when he was like a teenager called Bloodline, which had, um, I guess it was the son of the the guy who was in the, uh, or, or, or uh, you know, one of the Allman Brothers, and there was, uh, I think it was Dickie Betts' kid or whatever okay. and stuff. 
but uh, he made a mention of it, and he was this young guitarist. And it was interesting enough because he also had a connection with Jolyn Turner, and uh, a very interesting connection with Joe in a sense that um, they they met and they had some songs that they were kind of working on together. And one of the songs, um, at least, was um, was Angel that ended up on Jolyn Turner's album um, Holy Man. He played guitar for him in there. I believe there's also Wolves at the Door, which is also off Holy Man. And remember, uh, the Holy Man tour later ended up spawning uh, uh, the Glenn Hughes, uh, the HTP project. But getting back to Bonamassa, you know, Bonamassa was just a, a good guitar player, and, and now it's just an amazing blues, you know, guitar player, and there's an interesting stories on why he wears the suit and so on and so forth, because it's an ode to his, his idols, roots, the yeah. blues uh-huh. roots. But um, Jolyn Turner also, and I know this story, Jolyn Turner also was the one who encouraged Joe Bonamassa to sing, and I am so happy, because I love Bonamassa's voice. I there's a different. It's a, there's a, a, a an air of whisper, uh, a wispy kind of w- the way he does his songs. And there's this one song that he does off of um, Black Country Communion, right? Called um, "Song of Yesterday." Mm-hmm. Oh, Mother in Heaven! Every time I hear that song, I mean, I could just I, I'm getting chills just hearing that song. I mean, that is one of those kinds of things. And and so when I finally got to see him at the Orpheum Theater about two or three years ago, I was telling people about, you know, the connection with him and Joel and Turner. They're like, yeah, 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 whatever, and stuff. And I'm like, you know, really, people? I mean, you guys are into the flavor of the month, but this guy is is the real deal, okay? And I'm just glad that, you know, especially you, Joe, and, and me, we appreciate all of these artists, whether when they started out at the very, very beginning, right. we know some of their ins and outs, their bands, the, the things that they, you know, when they were, you know, going up the ranks, you know, people now, we now call some of these legendary artists and, and, the, and, and, the, and the like. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we were there too. I mean, as fans, a lot of times, sometimes as journalists, sometimes as photographers, I know you have taken some amazing shots. You took an amazing shot of Richie Blackmore, for example, you know, from um, one of his concerts back in 1985 that here that he played in Phoenix. You yeah. know, and I, I mean, I don't know. There's some good ones. Absolutely. From, yeah, from when they when they reunited. Right yeah, when the they reunited. Tour. So mm-hmm. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that you know we come here as a podcast, and whether. I don't know if two people listen to, you know, the, 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 the people that are here or even more that listen to it. But, you know, we come here with as much knowledge as possible in, in trying to be able to convey what is going on here. And I love the fact that at least we could give you some type of history um, of the, um, the people that we have known. Yes, we are huge fans and sometimes we become friends of some of these band members. And um, it has really, really been a, an absolute pleasure in being able to do this. But if you are out there, um, anyone listening, please go support your, your, your artist. Go buy those merch, you know, because you don't know where that money is um, being thrown to, whether it's to the promoter, whether it's to the band themselves, uh, or whatever the case may be. And like the way Joe has explained it, um, a lot of them make their money off of merch. And then you're going to have bands that are out there that oh, never see the light of day in, in as far as their um, that popularity, so to speak, with the, with the U.S. crowd. 
but but darn it, they they deserve as much as you're listening. So you know, support our local artists if you can as well. And so with that said, we're gonna go ahead and sign off, aren't we, Joe? Yes, we are. We are. And so here's another um, edition of Rock On with Joe and Julie. And uh, we want to say, uh, you know, happy listening and God bless. Take, Take care. care.